Hello and welcome to episode 881 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, January 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hanging in there, ready to talk some baseball. We've got the final part of outfield. Uh, no, we're not covering every one of the remaining outfielders. That would take quite a while. But uh, we've got some fun fun guys to talk about here at the at the end that uh, you know we play deep leagues so we're always we're always covering you deep league folks that are looking for something late and i think we've got some interesting guys who are going to play themselves into 10 and 12 team relevance now which ones i wish i knew if we knew that <laughs> perfectly i think you know we'd uh, we'd be sitting on some potential gold mines here but we'll we'll sort it out for you and we got a transaction that could have a little bit of interest too how you doing I'm doing all right. Uh, looking forward to some warmer weather. It's supposed to get up to 70 degrees here today, which wow. is, uh, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, it's actually yeah. so, uh, it, it's it's bearable enough where I don't need to have my heater on in the office right now. So hopefully a little bit less ambient noise in the background. But yeah, things are going well. Friends Fantasy Benefits uh, draft guide came out and uh, people are buying it. appreciate anyone who uh, heard it on the show on Tuesday that sent me an email if you if you want to buy it uh, just email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com and it's a $7 PDF and I'm still fighting with Amazon right now <sighs> yeah puts the same title and picture as last year and they're giving you trouble with it like what could possibly be objectionable about a fantasy draft guide I, I don't understand <laughs> that would that would me off quite a bit so hopefully you get all that sorted but yeah you guys can email justin get that i mean it's you know it's time to start the prep um obviously our diehards who listen all year they're already in the midst of their prep maybe uh maybe you don't start till your football team is out so a group of you had your had your your football season end last week we'll get another group this week uh but it's coming it's coming quicker than we realized and there was news out there recently that said Plan for 162 and everything to be normal. Now, we'll see how that goes, but that is the game plan for MLB. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want to do, so we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. I would love for that to come to fruition. I'm not getting my hopes up right now. I'll just let it, let it go day to day, right? Uh, I was telling some friends the other day, like, if you try to play anything more than, like, 10 days to two weeks out, you're foolish. Right, you're just asking for trouble. So I'll just see where everything goes. Um, I'm not worried about uh, you know if they're going to get 162 or or 130. I'm just excited for the season, and I'm excited for more hot stove. And we only got a small move here. Like I said, it might not even be this guy that really impacts things, but we'll see here. Pedro Baez goes to Houston, quality reliever. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't take forever to sign, considering he takes forever <laughs> to pitch. But <laughs> Good on him actually uh, signing a little bit earlier. Maybe he can bring that onto the mound. He has a human rain delay. But he's he's always been quite good. 303 ERA, 109, or excuse me, 110 whip for his career in 356 innings. Just over strikeout per inning with 369. Always been a setup guy. You know, he has three career saves. But he goes out to Houston where, you know, I think it's Ryan Presley. But I don't know that it's so locked that Baez won't get drafted in some spots. What do you think about Baez in Houston? I think he's the logical next man up in Houston. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing in a league deep enough where you're grabbing handcuffs, 
uh, he, he's the guy. And Presley has had times where he becomes inconsistent or is dealt with injuries. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's not a bad investment in, you know, deeper leagues. But I, I do think it's Presley. Uh, I think what it tells us is they're probably not in on like a a, a real you know quote unquote closer. They're they're not going to be signing Rosenthal or Colome. That no. this is kind of their main big move in the bullpen, which kind of locks Presley into that closer role. And they got Ryan Stanek as well earlier in the offseason. Um, and so they might do may- maybe one more in this realm, but I agree with you. They're not going to get one of the remaining uh, top-tier guys now that Hendricks is off the board because Presley is their guy. And, and when healthy, he's really, really good. I think he can be a, a really good closer. You know, he had 12 saves in the shortened year in just 21 innings. Um, his ERA was a little bit up from from what we had seen as his hit rate jumped thanks to a 365 BABIP. But I think I think Presley's still really good. And I wonder, because of the jumble at closer, if if he might be a bit of a bargain uh, relative to the closer market because he's going around pick 125. I mean, that's not – I'm not going to say cheap is, is not the right word for sure, but – you know, eyeballing it, I think that puts him around the sixth-ish, seventh-ish closer. And, you know, for a team like Houston, for somebody with his track record, I think that's pretty good. I can see myself with some Presley after I see, you know, Hayter, Chapman, um, Iglesias, Karinchak, guys like that go off the board. I think that's when you start to consider Presley. And if things line up, I can see myself with Presley. So I, I like him as a closer. Is, is he somebody that you're willing to invest in in the uh, jumbled closers market right now? Yeah, because if you've done a draft already, and I think I'm on my sixth draft mm-hmm. of, of the offseason. You'll be on your seventh soon. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. finally going to get my, oh, my fifth well, round going because I'm ready to go. Well, and my eighth because I start I'm doing the, the p- battle of the podcasts. Oh, uh, I saw that, dude. The, um, the intro by uh, <laughs> Michael, Gobier. Michael Gobier. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. So good. So, uh, yeah, and that starts on Friday. Oh, tomorrow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I drew the seventh pick there, so I'm, I'm excited. Uh, it's exactly where I like to draft. But, I mean, if you've done any drafts already, it's a nightmare after the first, you know, five two. to ten closers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it really, yeah, it really is. I mean, you two. think Hayter and Chapman, and then you're like, it's wide open. I mean, you might have some confidence in some of those other guys, but I think it op- or and Hendricks too, excuse me, um, but then it opens up quite a bit you know do you like diaz at four some by the way if you think diaz shouldn't be at four or or shouldn't be very high go actually do the investigation i think people are still carrying 2019 with them he was amazing in 20 he was but he didn't get a lot of saves and so i think that is one of the things that kind of throws people a little bit i think so too but but the skills are there and he is going to close there Mm -hmm. i think it's because he also opened with a home run fueled meltdown in the first game of the year and it oh, was like and oh, lost boy. the job like they, they yeah, tried to like, put Patanzas in there tried to you yep. know it was like here we go again mm-hmm. but then go look at the composite numbers they're really there but it but it opens up you want to take Rysel Iglesias who bounced back after his rough 19 James Karinchek new guy on the block with Brad Hand gone um do you want to speculate on Hand himself but we don't know where he's gonna go so it's so wide open that I think Presley actually offers a bit of stability in the crazy closers market. So On a good both, team. Yes. 
Uh, I think both of us are interested in investing in him. Speaking of players that we're interested in, this is how we're going to finish up uh, the outfield here. We're going to talk. We, we left off at Justin Upton, who's around pick 357. So kind of in that 360 range and beyond. We're each just picking a handful of guys that we like, and we're going to go back and forth uh, and, and, and kind of work our way through them to finish off. There's obviously some guys that you know, we, we still like that we didn't get to, but I, I think we've gone detailed enough on outfield. I hope people appreciate our effort here. Uh, so let's just start. Let's start with my first guy. Sam Hilliard in Colorado. Now, he's probably entirely too young to get playing time because I think his age starts with a two. And <laughs> I know it's a tired joke, but I will continue to roast Colorado until they do something right. So I I, I, I acknowledge that I, I go to that well often, but it's because Colorado is remarkably stupid. But uh, I do think that they're actually going to be in a position where they're going to have to play some of these younger guys Um and Sam Hilliard's one of them. He's going to be age 27. We've seen a few flashes here and there uh, in his major league career. Only 201 plate appearances, but he has 13 homers, five steals in that time. You can do kind of the the, the lazy tripling of that. Um, you got to, again, always be careful with that, but that might give you a range of what the, the top end might be, not what the expectation is. But he could be a 30-15 kind of guy. And I know that tripling it is, is closer to 40-15. But that's the kind of skill set that Hilliard has. And he'll be in Colorado. Now, he also has a 236 career average because he hit just 210 this year, which you don't really expect in Colorado. There is a lot of swing and miss to his game. Um, and, and that will, you know, Colorado can only do so much for you with your batting average if you're not making contact. I'll take even... I'll take a 250 to be honest with this kind of power speed capability. And I think he's going to be strong side platoon at the very least uh, with Garrett Hampson there and, and Ian Desmond still lingering. It does make sense that that Hilliard and, and Tapia would get some breathers against lefties for those two. But I like Sam Hilliard. I think the price is fair at 360 and uh, he's somebody I'm going to be having some shares of because of the power and speed. What do you think? I mean, I definitely think that, he is going to play more than I think we're used to seeing guys uh, on the Rockies in their 20s play. So that being said, I mean, I there's some serious concern, seriously concerning things about his profile. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has got a career 32% strikeout rate, um, and that is very... What's your career strikeout rate, tough guy? Um, I actually do not strike out. <laughs> Um, I take a lot of walks in slow pitch softball, which angers people. Yes. But I am a high. Swing the bat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, because in my league, you know, it's co-ed and uh, the way they have it is, uh, you have to alternate guy, girl, guy, girl. And so if you walk a guy, they automatically go to second base. Ooh, yeah. Cause they think that you're pitching around mm-hmm. to get to the, the ladies. So yeah, no, I'll take a walk any day and like a free double. Sure. Um, but <sighs> I mean, he's got a 32% O swing, a 17% swing strike rate this last year. Yeah, he needs to figure some things out. And yeah. in the minor leagues, Hilliard had swing and miss issues too. So this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't just a major league thing. But you look at the AAA performance in 19 when he hit 35 homers with 22 steals, and that's that's what I'm dreaming on there at pick 360. I think it's at a range where it can't hurt you so much. And if it doesn't yeah. go well, and he, and he is hitting 210 again like he did this year, then you move on. But I, I like the potential upside here. And, I mean, that's the thing. It, it's, it's a straight-up lottery ticket dart throw. Um, and we've seen him have, like, 
some moments in the majors mm-hmm. where uh, he was very exciting. Uh, and I mean, today's the day, or maybe it was yesterday. You know, the bat and bat X projections are up on Fangraphs, so definitely go over to Fangraphs today. Check out what Derek Cardi does because I think the bat X was like the highest graded projection system last year yes it's uh, fantastic yeah and and the bad x has them at 18 and 15 mm-hmm. in, in um 519 plate appearances so you know that's not even a full season there it does happen with a 224 average though that's what you got with hilliard is you're gonna have to take that average on i think sometimes we think colorado guy automatic good batting average doesn't work that way and I don't think he's just going to magically fix it. That's why I think 250 is kind of an upside right now until he shows major improvements at the dish. But if you want that power speed and you can take on some batting average pain, Hilliard might be your guy. Yeah. I mean, there are guys on this we're going to talk about today that, you know, maybe have a little bit a little bit of batting average upside. So maybe it's you're pairing it with another one of these guys to kind of offset uh, the the potentially low batting average. Exactly. Let's move out to Baltimore and, and, and sort this out because uh, we've hinted and, and discussed that you love Cedric Mullins. And um, I, I like that call. But then we talked about how Jeff Zimmerman has an article talking about how they're going to share things. And I think the surprising thing from that was that it the, the article in question had uh, Ryan Mountcastle in the outfield causing issues there. Because we have him at first, which which left spaces open for DJ Stewart, Austin Hayes, and Mullins to be out there um, with, with Santander taking one spot and then those three fighting for the other two and bouncing around. But looks like Chris Davis is going to get another opportunity at first, pushing Mountcastle out there, leaving just one spot for Hayes, Stewart, and Mullins to fight over. But you still love Mullins and you like DJ Stewart a bit, so give us some thoughts on those two, they do different things as well. So one for the speed, one for the power. What do you think about those Orioles outfielders? Yeah, I mean, Mullins is a guy I've talked about already quite a bit. Um, of my leagues that have completely drafted already, I have him on every single team. So I love I, it. I'm love it. You know, I'm definitely uh, you know backing up what I say on the pod because uh, I was actually just looking at the uh, what is it, the shares page on the statistics for uh, for NFBC, and it's like. There's a few guys that are 100% owned, and Mullins is one of them. So uh, I'm, I, I believe that the playing time will work itself out. Either it'll be some sort of rotation, or it will be, uh, um, you know, a guy gets hurt, and, you know, someone's going to kind of emerge. I do believe Mullins can be the guy. There's enough pop in that bat, I think, to not be empty. So, you know, we're talking... Seven, eight, ten—you know, maybe even twelve home runs, considering it's Camden. Uh, but I think he's a guy who could steal twenty bags, and uh, they let him lead off a lot of the season. So I'm, I'm a big Cedric Mullins fan, and uh, I'm—you know—if this keeps his price down, the fact that everybody's projecting him to be kind of a, a bench outfielder or fourth outfielder, uh, I'm going to keep—you uh, know—go back, going back to the well. DJ yeah, you just take your shot. Yeah, DJ Stewart's a really interesting guy too, um, and I do think he's going to get a you know a chance to play as well. And he is just going so late. His ADP right now five twenty one, uh, ton of power in the bat and not much else. You know he, he he's going to strike out. Um, he you know so he's not going to hit for average. Uh, but right now we have him like platooning in the number two hole. 
uh, on roster resource. And even with it not being a very good lineup, he's still going to score a lot of runs, uh, you know, have a lot of power in his bat. So just a really interesting kind of dart throw late if you're looking for power. If you're finding a team like a little bit power light, he's a guy in one of those 50-round drafts and holds that could kind of boost up your stats for you. Yeah, I, I think right now with the uncertainty, you can you can buy uh, on these guys. And like you said, uh, with Mullins in particular, and, and the price is great. And things will kind of sort itself out. I understand why they want to... You know, see if Chris Davis can earn some of that money. He's there was an article about him recently. He's like, you know, I'm not giving up. I know that, you know, for lack of a better phrase, he's like, I know I'm not good right now, but I'm gonna keep trying to earn this money. But if he performs like he has the last couple of years, I think they have to move away from him. You know, it's a sunk cost. You're not gonna get that money back. And then you could put Mount Castle at first, and then it would open up that outfield. So I wouldn't let this early stuff. I think a lot of times we get too hung up on the uh, the playing time projections that are talked about in January, February, even March, by the way. It's a six-month season. If you believe in somebody's talent, draft the talent. I think that's where you're at here with Mullins and Stewart, and that's why you're not afraid to draft them, even though there was, you know, not a great article for you there when, when Jeff uh, put the mining, the news together that said that these guys were going to be fighting over the playing yeah. time. So, you know, and, and the price covers that too, right? That's the that's the real thing as well is that if these guys were expensive that'd be another thing but they're mm-hmm. they're already they're already cheap so the the concerns are kind of built into the price. Yeah, I mean uh, this goes without saying uh, but this whole episode is an episode of guys that you take the shot on and if they don't work out you're just you're dropping them, you know. Uh, you know pretty quickly for the for the next guy on this list or the next guy on your list. Uh, so, I mean, these aren't guys you're going to be holding on to the for entire season outside of draft and hold leagues. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, my next guy is Oscar Mercado. And simply put, I'm not quitting on him. Can't do it. Uh, you know, it was brutal this year. Brutal in 20, without a doubt. Uh, 96 or 93 plate appearances of pure trash. 128, 174, 174 was a slash. And who cares about that? You know, it's, it's half half of the season, half of the two-month season, fewer than 100 plate appearances. It's just not going to be enough to move me off him completely. He was somebody I really liked. I totally missed. You know, I, I really liked him. I thought he was a good power speed guy to go for. I had high hopes for him coming into the year. And, uh, you know, there's no two ways around it. It was a, it was a flop. But he was 15-15 in just 115 games in his rookie year. And I think that talent is absolutely still there. He's 26. He's going to do nothing but play. Even with the rough 20, they're not moving away from him in Cleveland. They have to give him an opportunity um, because who else are they going to play, really? But also because he's also super talented. I know at Ross Resource, we currently don't have him slotted in. But I don't think Daniel Johnson or Bradley Zimmer, for that matter, uh, are slated to play over him. I, I don't. Uh, this is one spot where I disagree with Jason a little bit uh, that I, I don't think that Mercado is going to be on a short side platoon. Particularly Daniel Johnson. I think maybe Zimmer would start in center because his defense is strong. But I think Mercado, uh, even as the righty to Daniel Johnson's lefty, I still think Mercado gets the the lion's share there. And gets an opportunity to show how real his uh, twenty his twenty nineteen was. So I'm still bought in, and I think you like this one too. You might have picked him if I hadn't done so. Yeah, a little peek behind the uh, the curtain for the podcast is uh, like we don't really come up 
with our rundown like a day in advance or more than a few minutes in advance. So (laughs) you sent me a message at like 10 minutes before we were going to start and said, Hey, pick six outfielders out of this group. Um, and I was like, okay, in, in my head, as I'm walking to my office to go, uh, go, you know, call you and stuff. I'm all, uh, I'm Oscar Mercado's at the top of my list. Um, I snaked him. Yeah. He was already on the list. I was like, Oh, well, uh, and the next guy you're going to talk about was, was on my list as well. Um, uh, you know, speaking of the uh, um, the aforementioned uh, Jeff Zimmerman's Mining the News article, uh, he's got one from, I think, uh, the 5th of January, said, uh, you know, in the Indian sections, Oscar Mercado will start in center field. Yes. Love so, to hear that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to start, and the more players that uh, the Indians trade away uh, gives him a chance to start moving up that lineup. Uh, and I mean, you're talking about a guy who, uh, you know, what, a year ago was a top 150 draft pick because he went 15-15 with uh, 269 batting average in just 482 plate appearances. And so, if we can just maybe steal that line, like that is the potential here. And you're not going to find a lot of guys uh, that may, you know, get 80 runs, go 15-15. Uh, or even even if it's like 10, 18 or something like that, uh, you know, there's not many guys at this point in the draft that are going to do that. So uh, I'll take that gamble again. I- I'm willing to be hurt again. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm absolutely willing to be hurt again. I don't, I think at this price, I, I can't be that hurt though either. That's the best part about it. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, he's 390, by the way. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to a teammate of his who I also like. And I think if you had gone... You know, if, if we'd been on the computer at the same time and we were like racing to type him in and you had gotten Mercado, I might have considered this teammate, Josh Naylor, uh, lefty who's going to play left field. Uh, you know, between he and Fran Mill Reyes, he's the better outfielder, but that doesn't really say a whole lot because Fran Mill Reyes doesn't really play uh, a strong outfield. But he can hit, and he showed that in, in the little playoff blip that they mm-hmm. had. Uh, he can certainly hit against righties. Talk to us about Josh Naylor coming in at a, a pick 414 as well. I thought this was the guy that was going to be like way over drafted because of that playoff home run. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was such a, it was such a big home run for him. And, uh, you know, he was part of the Clevenger deal. And so it, it made us feel like, hey, this guy's going to play. And, I mean, he did, <laughs> you know. And right now, we haven't projected to hit second in front of Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes, um, and not Platoon. Uh, it's a former top prospect uh, that, you know, a little bit of clubhouse issues by stabbing a teammate. Um, but... Don't necessarily want to do that, but yeah. hey, you know, <laughs> so... what would the teammate do, huh? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, he's still really young. I mean, he's, you know, 23, going to be 24 this year. Uh, you know, hitting second in this, you know, Indians lineup. that It's not very good, but, you know, behind Jimenez and in front of Ramirez and Reyes, like, that's not a bad spot. Exactly. Uh, and so, I mean, if we're talking about a guy who can get to 500-plus plate appearances, I'm thinking, you know, probably 20 home runs, some chip and stolen bases like a 265, 270 batting average. And, I mean, when you're drafting this late, 
you're looking for guys who are going to play, right? And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you're looking for upside, but you're also looking to accumulate stats, especially if you're in, like, a 50-round draft and hold. You just want to make sure you're you're getting full uh, uh, plate appearances um, in each lineup spot. And I think Naylor provides that. And so I'm actually really, really surprised he's going as late as he is. Yeah, and I, I could see his draft price moving up as the season as the draft season moves on. Um, but never to a cost-prohibitive spot. And I think he's a really interesting player that could end up being somebody who is 12-team is viable by the end of the year, maybe even 10-team. Like, he's he's got the, the hitting capability. And he did finally make his way over to the, to the American League. And obviously, we don't think it's going to matter either way with regards to the DH. But it was always that thing of, like, can we get him out of there so he doesn't have to mess around with defense? Um, because not particularly good. And I know he's slated for left field here, but they could put Bowers out there and put him at first. Well, no, too, Fran they... Mill they got, so I don't think he's... Well, no, they could put Naylor at first if they don't want oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. The outfield and put Jake Bowers in left if they mm-hmm. want. Uh, but yeah, Fran Mill has DH on lock. You, you cannot put yeah. him out there. He's, he's, he's a big boy. And there's, there uh, is right. more power in this bat. Like, I could see yes. if everything comes together, um, and I mean, his hit tool coming up from the minors was rated, you know, fairly decently at least you know average to above average like i could see like a surprise 30 home run season uh, especially on a cleveland team that does not have a lot of competition in that outfield yeah yeah, give him you know 650 plate appearances it's not out of bounds to see a full-scale breakout out of josh naylor so keep him on your list uh keep this guy on your list too this is another one where i'm not quitting despite uh, the the flop in 20 and it's Shogo Akiyama from Cincinnati and this is the guy you said that you'd have, you'd have taken had I not taken him his his entry into the majors did not go well particularly in August he really really struggled but I think lost in that because it was such a tiny sample and his first you know 30 something games were so awful that maybe people didn't realize his last 22 um, you know basically uh, September was pretty good. 333, 474, 383. Not a lot of pop there. Didn't hit a homer, but getting on base at a great clip. Five steals in that time as well. That, you know, paces out to 37. But that was the thing. He was supposed to be like a 25 plus steal capable guy uh, who can get on base too because he can take his walks. And I think those two factors did finally show themselves in September when he'd settled down a bit. So now he has an old two month taste. And I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be good. Again, I was betting on him coming into twenty. I think we're going to see some real performance atop that Cincinnati lineup this year. He's only really being projected for like nine and nine, uh, but a lot of that is because he's only getting uh, ninety-seven games from all from both the bat and depth charts. So I think he's going to play more than that. He's going to sit against some lefties but not enough to only get 97 games. I think he's going to establish himself as an OBP guy atop that lineup, and Shogo Akiyama is going to play much closer to like 140-something games, and I think he's got 20-20 potential. And even if the power isn't quite there, call it closer to 15, I think the steals could could uh, counterbalance it. You know, I think he could have 40 homers plus steals, but the divide could be 15-25 even because this is a real guy here, and uh, he gets on base at a fantastic clip. Yeah, and uh, another great uh, tidbit in the Mining the News, and that same Mining the News on, on January 5th, uh, talked about how Akiyama reworked his swing mid-season uh, mm-hmm. because what he was doing you know, in August wasn't working. 
Uh, and that's when, you know, he really turned it on. You know, he hit 317, 456, 365. Obviously, no power, um, but you get the stolen bases and batting average. And, I mean, those are the things you're looking for late, usually. Usually, that's you, you yes. look at your team and you go, ooh, I really need some batting average help or ooh, I really need some speed, um, you know, unless you've loaded up on those early. And I think this is a guy that uh, has kind of been written off by a lot of the people in the fantasy industry, but he made a uh, an actual change that had results to that change um, that were beneficial to his game. So uh, I'm I'm totally here for uh, uh, Shogi Aka, Shogo Akiyama on as many teams as I can get. Absolutely. All right, who's your next guy? Uh, my next guy is Adam Frazier, and this is like. Uh, one of those guys that really speaks to what I was just talking about in like draft and holds where you want guys who are going to play, um, you know, and play, you know, close to full time. And I, I mean, I don't love Frazier. I don't think he's got the upside of maybe, you know, some of these other guys of, of like the Sam Hilliards or the Cedric Mullins or even the Akiyamas. But with what Pittsburgh is doing right now with their team in, in selling pieces and, and not adding anything he is scheduled to lead off at least again in, in a strong side platoon. Uh, and that means he's going to rack up some stats and play close to every day. Uh, and I believe he is he still second and um, uh, I, w- I would think so. Let me uh, let me take a peek. Uh, uh, Frazier. He is oh, he's still oh, second okay. and outfield eligible. Uh, which is always nice, especially on your reserve list or bench, uh, to have that flexibility to cover the infield and outfield. Uh, you know, we're that's prob- the best part when you can cover infield outfield though too. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we're talking about you know ten home runs and five to ten stolen bases with uh, like a two sixty to seventy batting average. It's nothing special. But it's it's one of those guys in draft and holds when you get a rash of injuries that you can just kind of plug in. Exactly, uh, and he plays yeah. all the time. He's slated to lead off. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, I, I don't love him. He's not a guy like I've got circled on my list or anything, but when you start getting into these spots around pick 500 and he's going 481 right now, he's a guy that, you know, is he going to play more than... Uh, well, I mean, actually, there's a number of guys in this area that kind of meet the, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer's in this area. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, Roman Quinn. Roman Quinn's going in this area, and I think a lot of people love Roman Quinn or the idea of Roman Quinn. I, th- that's me, the latter. Mm-hmm. I-, I love the idea of Roman Quinn, but is he is he maybe just Miles Straw? Is, mm-hmm. is he really going to get that full full role? I, I-, I don't think yeah, so. Without health, too. I mean, because he just can't yeah, stand exactly. the field. Exactly. You know, uh, Miguel Andujar. People love the idea of Miguel Andujar, you know, going right around the same spot. But, like, where is he going to play? Um, I, I don't know. So, I, you know, again, it's a very unsexy pick, and nobody is going to be like, oh, damn, you sniped me there. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. If, if you draft bad. for compliments, you're never going to get that with Adam Frazier. But, and you're probably never going to do all that well if you just draft for compliments because mm-hmm. you're going to be taking uh way too many sleepers way too many prospects and uh you're just not you're just not going to have that great of a team come push come to shove so yeah i agree with you on that one don't do that mm-hmm. uh, all right next up we have 
whoever was on my list that I can't find. Shin oh, Chu yeah, Chu. I got two, two veterans here. Just, you know, Shinsu Chu, 498, Ryan Braun, 616. Neither is signed yet, so they'll probably bounce up once we see where they're at and what their playing time looks like. But neither is going to bounce up to a point that you can't afford them at all. And the simple fact is both are still producing. And, you know, Chu, he's, he's 38. Maybe he hangs it up. Um, but he's still Ron's got. Ron's 37. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, maybe they both hang it up. I don't think so, though. And if you look at it, you know, even this year when Chu was not tearing the cover off the ball or anything, he's kind of league average, he still had five homers, six steals. But just the year before that, 2019, 24-15 with a 265. Braun also keeps getting it done. Uh, this year he was eight and one, uh, hit 233, but he was 22 11 with a 285 back in 2019. And so, you know, both these guys can get it done. They're just a couple of veteran guys. I think once we get late, we feel like it always has to be youth and upside, youth and upside. Sometimes there can be some upside with the the, the age player. And, and again, we got to see where these two land if they land at all. But uh, I just want to put a little star by them, make sure you keep them in consideration. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we, we need to see where they land. So yep. until we until we do see that they've signed somewhere um, and have some sort of role uh, on the team, I, I'm probably staying away. And my fear is this kind of slow off season where there are a number of teams that are clearly not wanting to spend money at all leaves these guys without jobs. Um, and, uh, you know, Braun could easily hang it up. Uh, Chu could easily hang it up or, or go, uh, you know, back to Korea uh, and maybe finish out his career where he started. So, um, I don't know. I'm not going to be on any of my teams until I know that they're at least fighting for, like, a, a starting role somewhere. Well, because I'm 50 round drafting all, you don't want to get stuck with them and they don't play. Yeah, but especially because you that. want to take the upside on, you know, like the next guy you're going to talk about who would have been on my list as well. Uh, you want to take the upside on maybe some, you know, guys who are rookies or, or haven't made it to the major leagues yet. Yeah, but in, in leagues where you, you're not stuck with them, if for some reason they don't sign, I don't know. If they want to play, I think both will find spots, um, I, even with people being cheap teams being cheap because neither of them is hurting for money. So I feel like they can take, you know, a pretty cheap deal to come play if they find the right spot for them. So Braun and Chu, just guys to keep in mind, we're going a lot with the youth here, understandably, but these two guys are still getting it done. All right. Your next guy is Edward, Edward Oliveris. Oliveris. Yeah. Um, we actually drafted him. I think, and I think mm -hmm. we're going to end up a year early. So talk to us about Oliveris now in Kansas city. So yeah. when we drafted him. He was still in, uh, he was still in San Diego and time just didn't exist for him. Playing time just wasn't there. Yeah. And I mean, who knows? There may not be, um, <laughs> a place for him, uh, uh, you know, in the future, but I, I still, I, I believe in the talent and I, they, they short side platooned him. Um, in in 2020 which was a bit of a bummer uh and weirdly i'm not even seeing him do they have him going to the minors to start the year wow ross oh, resource wow. has him going to the minors to start the year um on kc yeah because of the you michael michael taylor um yeah. and franchi cordero okay yeah he's better than cordero i'm kind of all over the cordero thing i mean i 
I I love the idea of Franchi Cordero as well. Like Cordero is a guy who could have ended up on this list. The problem with Cordero is he just cannot stay healthy, and so that's I guess a reason to keep buying in on Oliveras because if and when or more when uh, mm-hmm. Franchi Cordero ends up on the IL or isn't ready to start the season because of an injury, um, you know Oliveras is the logical man to replace him. And like I said, I mean, it was kind of a disappointing uh, run in 2020, but I mean, look at some of these numbers he put up in the minor leagues. We're talking in 2019 in AA uh, for the Padres, 18 home runs, 35 stolen bases. There is still a ton of upside in this bat, and he just needs a place to play. Uh, He may be he may be one of those guys that doesn't have a kind of a role to start the season, but uh, you know, if you're taking dart throws, a guy who can potentially be, you know, a, a fifteen thirty guy uh, is someone that really, really interests me. Yeah, and there's 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 a lot of flexibility there to get him in because I think you know, Nicky Lopez has been horrendous as a major leaguer. His leash can't be too long. So you bring Merrifield back to second, and there's an outfield spot. Um, I do think they did create a little bit of logjam. I actually liked the uh, Carlos Santana move on its face, but I wonder if maybe I'd like it less now that they like, they still have O'Hearn and Broom. Uh, McBroom. The, the, the Ryans, o- mm-hmm. O'Hearn and, and McBroom. Uh, <laughs> putting both on the bench is, is – they are righty-lefty, but it's, it's kind of overkill – uh, so I wonder if they make a move there, and then that would open a bench spot for for Oliveras. So there, there's some there's some maneuvering that can happen, and he could be playing in no time. And like you said, even Franchi Cordero could be the guy who's just not there, and Oliveras is the guy. I, like I said, I think we were a year early. I could see us coming back to the well this year as as things develop for him. So that's a good call. I like Edward Oliveras as well. Uh, my next guy, Jared Oliva. Um, you mentioned that you you would have picked him up as well. Pittsburgh, I think in a six-month season this past year, he would have gotten an opportunity at some point uh, because it was just a two-month season. It didn't pan out. He didn't he didn't even uh, come up for more than you know, 16 plate appearances, whatever. But I think when he gets a full-scale opportunity, this could be somebody that can really be a speed, uh, speed component. He has 36 and 33 steals. In the minors, the last two years, 19 and 18, respectively, and a little punch to go with it. Nothing crazy, nothing that's going to, you know, uh, blow you away with six and nine homers, respectively, in those two years. But that was also in 507, 454 point appearances, respectively. If they push him more into the uh, full time role at some point, I think he's a double digit home run guy with with big time speed capable bat to keep the batting average strong as well. Uh, hit tool does need to develop some, but I like the speed component, Jared Oliva for Pittsburgh. And with the, with the teardown that they're doing sooner than later, they should have a spot for him to just go out there and see what they've got. Like I know he hurt himself in uh, winter ball or else maybe Gregory Polanco would be looking to get traded. And even Brian Reynolds, somebody we talked about is already 26. That might, that might be clock ticking, ready to trade him. They don't want to trade him on, off the 20, though, because it was so bad. But uh, Jared Oliva, definitely keeping a star by him. He's a 50-round draft and hold. I don't want to say must, but someone I'm highly targeting at that point. Yeah, I mean, he he's an older prospect, too. So and he's already 25. 
they need to kind of see what they got in him. Uh, I think even in a short side platoon kind of situation, he could be like, um, you know, three or four homer guy with 20 plus steals. That'd be uh, great. And at this point in the draft, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking for if, if you're mm-hmm. kind of down on speed. And the beauty of this Pittsburgh lineup is it sucks. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Interesting phrase there to say that's the beauty of it, but yeah. I get exactly what you're saying. because it, it There's creates... lots of paths to playing time for him. Bingo. I mean, right now, just as Roster Resource has it, They've got Adam Frazier and Gregory Polanco as, you know, uh, the strong side platoon. So, I mean, Oliva could easily short side with one of those guys. Um, you know, you've got Polanco, uh, who has got a ton of injury uh, issues in the past. Um, you know, Anthony Alford, is he a guy they really uh, are tied to after getting him off of waivers in the summer from Toronto? Like, yeah. there's just so many paths to playing time. And then the DH, obviously, coming to the National League would add another, you know, full-time spot. So, uh, I think there is a ton of upside. He was a guy I was actually drafting last year uh, that, you know, didn't uh, pay off, but I'm willing to go back to the well on it. Yep, definitely down. Take a shot on Jared Oliva and see if that playing time develops for him. Your next guy is another speedster, the ultimate speedster, Tim Castro. His favorite thing to do, get hit by a pitch, and then go mm-hmm. steal second and third. Um, talk to us about Tim Castro out in Arizona. Is there playing time for him? I mean, not at the moment, but... This... but he's an infield outfield guy, too, so he could like mm-hmm. take virtually any spot, right? If something opens up, he could be the, the, the fill-in. I don't know if he'll play very much infield. I think he's probably going to play mostly outfield. But right now, Ross Resource has him platooning. Um, with either Varsho or, or David Peralta. And it's just, there's a ton of speed in this profile. And if he was to get, you know, right now, like the bat has him at 383 plate appearances, um, seven home runs, 16 stolen bases, 256. I'll take that. Yeah. With the yeah. potential for more if Arizona decides, you know, looks up at that division and goes, there's no way we're catching the Dodgers or the Padres. Um, you know, we may not even catch the Giants and the Rockies uh, and decide to start selling, you know, pieces like Cole Calhoun or Christian or Walker or Peralta. Uh, you know, there becomes a lot more paths to playing time. And uh, if he were to get a full season worth of plate appearances, we're talking about a guy who could, you know, steal 30-plus bases. So um, I'm, I'm going to put him on my team whenever I can. Yeah, well, Castro only played infield in the minors um, so far, but so it's been all outfield. But he is one of those guys that can that can pretty much play anywhere. So we'll see if they utilize that to to give him a spot, um, just wherever it opens up. But outfield is, is probably his best bet at playing. Uh, my next guy, I guess we really did favor speedsters here because I got another one. But one of the reasons I like Adam Engel is because I wonder if there might be some latent pop developing there. And, you know, he hit three homers this year, but it was in 36 games. He, you know, he was a six homer, literally six homers for each of his first three seasons in uh, 89, 143, and 97 games. But we saw a little jump in ISO from 18 to 19 with those six homers because he did it in about half, half the amount of plate appearances. And then again, another jump this year to a 182. 
I don't know. He's going to be 29. You know, so he's already he's already a bit up there. Uh, but I think he might be tapping into a little bit of pop uh, to go with premium speed. He's got elite speed. And we haven't seen it full scale. Like He does have 28 career stolen bases in uh, 1,140 plate appearances. But he has been caught 12 times, too. So he's 28 for 40. That's a 70% rate. That's like right there, though. You can certainly run at that rate. And uh, the team's not gonna not gonna lose their minds there. I think a three for six in 2019 really hurt him, but I think there could be something here with Adam Engel. My only concern would be kind of the opposite of some of our concerns with with these other guys is that he's on a great team, so maybe they look to put a more established uh, piece in the outfield there if they sign another guy in like the Adam Eaton realm to take Engel's spot. But as it stands right now. There's a spot for him in left with with uh, Eloy Jimenez DHing and then uh, Robert and Eaton in center and right, respectively. So I like Adam Engel, and I'm definitely taking him right now uh, in some leagues. I think he's completely off the radar at pick 700. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pick 700, you're you're just hoping for a lottery ticket at that point, and. Um, I mean, you're right. He he's one of the fastest guys in in Major League Baseball. So I mean, uh, I don't know if 80 grade speed uh, even quantifies just how fast uh, Adam Engel is. Uh, and defensively, he's you know he's good out there. So uh, they may say, hey, the, you know, the rest of this lineup is really really good. We can afford to take kind of a guy who may not provide much at who's the bottom defense end. first. Yeah, who's defense yeah. first. So. Um, you know, I don't think the average, I mean, obviously I don't think the average is going to sustain to what it did last year, but like if he's hitting 240 and stealing a bunch of bags at the bottom of that lineup, I'm, uh, I'm totally fine with that. And again, it's a complete lottery ticket. I mean, the, the, the question becomes the White Sox are clearly a team that are spenders. They're looking at the rest of the division and going, you know, this is very, very winnable for us, and we've got a really nice young core. Do they go out and get someone to play left field? Uh, you know, maybe like a, a Michael Brantley. Um, yeah, and that would change things. Or a Jerkson Profar, or something like that. But then, even if they did that, Eaton's health has been questionable. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and again, we're talking pick seven hundred. This is fifty round draft and hold material, but it's the kind of material that I really like because. It could turn into something big. And and so, you know, I'm not taking him in 12s right now, obviously. Not even considering Adam Engel in 12s. But it, let's say I do I do a 12-team draft on a site. Um, and, and, you know, ESPN or, or Yahoo has, like, that watch list feature. He's the kind of guy I put on my watch list. And I start to see how, how do things progress because he could play himself into that kind of role, particularly if there is a little something to this pop that we've seen with Engel. And then he, he pairs it with his speed that he's got. So, yeah, very, very deep league, but uh, we, we got you covered here. And uh, your last guy is somebody we've talked about before <laughs> being a fan of. He's on he's on a, a new team now. We used to love him in Oakland. It's not Franklin Barreto. It's actually mm-hmm. Jorge Mateo out in San Diego. He wasn't infield at one point, but now it's looking like outfield is where he's going to be. You mentioned somebody, Jerks and Profar. Now, he's not a, Mateo's not a switch hitter like Profar. But could he take the Profar spot and be somebody who who you know finds playing time just wherever wherever he can fit in? Um, I don't know. 
I mean, this one definitely feels like, and this is the second time I've made this reference today, but like I'm Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. (laughs) (laughs) I I made it in in reference to Joe Musgrove um, earlier today. See, Um, but that one, I don't know. I I think that one hurts more. Like the fall on your back is more painful because you're trying to say he's not failing. I don't think Musgrove is failing. Yeah, no, no. It's just the ADP I, on Musgrove like, is like, like 130 right now. And so it's like... Yeah, everyone's driving him up. Yeah. Who, who, would, who, would, who would talk about Joe Musgrove so much and try to drive his price up? It's unbelievable. It's it, everyone. I mean, it's 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 I, everybody's it's favorite sleeper. It's just... I. But, I mean... I'm a Joe Musgrove hipster. I was on it before you guys were. <laughs> Absolutely a Musgrove hipster. Anyway, um, yeah, with San Diego, you know, Cronenworth uh, looks like... The, inside looking out until they go DH then he's in so then kind of the first guy off the bench could be Mateo Mm -hmm. and And uh, his ability to play infield and outfield and again he's just a speedster he's just super super fast Um, you know he's a guy like Angle where uh, I don't think the 80 grade um, speed you know on him quantifies just how fast he is Uh, and we saw it at times you know when they pinch ran him uh, in the majors last year, I mean, as much as I'm, I'm very worried about what his path to playing time is, and maybe he needs to be DFA'd again and then picked up by a team that can try, can go. All right, we're going to give you a real shot to play. Uh, he is only 25 years old, uh, going to be 26 in, in June. So I mean, still very, very young. Um, uh, the Padres played him in 22 games, so. Uh, it was only 28 plate appearances, but they were trying to get him on the field or on the base paths, uh, and I think that is a very good sign. And I mean, all it is is an injury away, and there's not much, you know, on this, you know, on this bench right now as it currently stands. So, mm-hmm. keeping in mind, I, I we we both think that Cronenworth will be in the lineup either at DH or or somewhere on the field uh, every day. So, uh, you know, because after that, like. We're talking about Jorge Ona, who I, I like actually like as a bat, but um, like he he has some defensive issues. Uh, you know, Victor Carantini is is going to be the cat is going to be catching. I don't even know who Brian O'Grady is. Uh, I vaguely know the name. Isn't he from like Miami or something? Uh, he was Tampa Bay. Um, uh, you know, Florida, same thing, dude. Yeah, I, so I, that's a, I, I got that. We count that for me. Yeah, you know, so he didn't even know who he was. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, I think that Mateo, he could either find it on another team or find it here because uh, injury pops up or something like that. But this is a guy that just could steal a ton of bases and going to pick seven forty one is, you know, about as free as you get. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, with regards to Jorge Mateo, he's somebody I've liked as well. And we'll see what happens. But, uh, again, we are in the very, very deep realm. And then the last guy, we're deep in the cave of players <laughs> that you can get very late. So why not take a Jake, Jake Cave? Uh, you know, he got a pretty decent opportunity this year, and it could have been something to really show out and say, hey, you guys don't need to fill in the Nelson Cruz spot. I can do that. And he missed the opportunity. He'd actually been doing a few things in 18 and 19. He was above average guy. He got 42 games this year, 123 plate appearances, put up a 674. So it kind of fell on his face a little bit, a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, could could see him in a platoon role where he's the strong side. 
Uh, he does his best work against righties for sure as a left-handed bat in his career. 803 OPS against them uh, with 18 homers and 504 plate appearances. I mean, he can get 504 plate appearances this year. It's not out of the realm. So he could smack you 18 to 20 homers. I think they'll probably address that situation and uh, and get somebody out there in left field that they trust a little bit more and then let Kirloff and Cave kind of kind of work the DH angle and see which one of them can can go for it. But uh, I do like Jake Cave as somebody who has shown that he can hit at the major league level uh, you know, over the course of his career. Even if you take in 20, he's still a, an above-average guy at a 107 WRC+. Plus. So I like Jake Cave a little bit. And, you know, again, just to reiterate for the 90 millionth time, these guys are so cheap, it's unbelievable. He's like <laughs> 7, 717 ADP. You cannot be hurt at that price. Yeah. And, it, I mean, right now he – you know, I know a lot of people think that Kirilov could be up day one, but unless Kirilov is is signing some sort of long term deal uh, to kind of you know bring down the the long term investment uh, for the Twins, I don't think Kirilov's up day one. So like I think that Cave, at least to start the season, is a close to full time player, if not a full. No, he's penciling in the left field right now. Oh wow, okay. With with DH for Kirilov, so like. You know that, but right now the they've Kirloff got thing. him. They've got him uh, platooning. Like platooning, I, but yeah. I think he's going to get a, a full time role at least for the first month of the season. I think so too. And you know we'll see if they sign somebody. Um, but then again, then the DH would be open if they sign somebody who they liked a little bit better in, in the outfield. So either way, I think Cave's going to be playing uh, a decent bit, uh, barring a, a real move. Like if they got Brantley or something. Okay, then I would then I would come back a little bit on the DH thing. Because if they start Jeffers behind the dish, then Garver could be the DH. Uh, but until we see something like that, Cave's going to get some opportunities. 28, you know, he is what he is, but so far that's been an above-average bat. So, I, uh, you know, that's why I don't mind him. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for outfield. We went super deep for y'all. Hopefully everything, uh, you know, gave you some ideas about how to attack the position it, it always feels deeper than it is because I think we always forget, you know, everyone needs five and they're going to be taking them for other positions. They're going to be taking them for util. The guys that have dual eligibility, they'll put them in the infield. So it's, it's never as deep as it, it, as you think it is when you start thinking about all the star players, you're like, okay, well they're going to be gone before you can breathe. Um, and so you have to find some of these mid tier and low tier guys to make sure your outfield uh, isn't struggling, unless you're Justin in the 12 teamer that you did, and Clint Frazier's your fifth outfielder because you went. Marco was my sixth outfield. outfielder. Yeah, I mean that's just. Filthy. And I almost even, just even for uh, a 12. I almost just Willie Callen was my seventh, but I end up um, going a different direction here. How did you resist the temptation? Uh, I need another catcher, and I wanted a, a, a another second baseman, so I took. Uh, I took Jeffers, the aforementioned uh, Ryan Jeffers, as my second catcher, and then uh, I just took Cesar Hernandez um, to kind of back up Nick Solak. Okay, okay. I, I, I can get behind that for sure. All right, well, that's going to do it for outfield. Um, what's our next position? Is it starting pitcher? I think we're going back to starting pitching. Is it time to call Nick Pollock? I think it is. Nick Pollock on the on the bat phone. I think we got to get him in. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Justin, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I hope we get some hot stove to talk about on next Tuesday. 
Uh, good luck in the pup battle of the podcast draft. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Definitely. Take it easy.